What is poetry other than self-indulgence? Here is my pain. Look how pretty it is. Love me. Understand me. Feel sorry for me. Here are some words obscured by pretension. Thunderstorms of symbolism. Minimalism implying depth. Lies. Aren't you proud of me? Art can almost never be pure. I would like to remove the word never from the above sentence, but I loathe to make definitive statements. There may be an exception to the rule that I haven't explored and will never be exposed to, but as it stands, I'm not convinced. It comes down to intention. The moment pen touches paper, intention is transmitted. That intention dilutes the purity of expression, forever tainting the page. Even if the artwork is never shared, the artist chose to create it. Thus, they are consciously or subconsciously acting to manipulate nothing into something. That manipulation is shaped by their unique place in space and time, by their upbringing, intelligence, personality, experiences, goals, and a plethora of other variables, most of which remain obscure to the artist. They cannot help but leave themselves on the page. These leavings constitute what we refer to as art. But that art is in fact a melding of intention of the artist and the unintended and unknown influences of the various obscured factors. Any changes to these factors will change the art that is produced. Thus, art is defined and irrevocably tied to the artist. This isn't to say that what is produced isn't of worth and doesn't move people. Such a statement couldn't be further from the truth. We consume art of all forms to be emotionally impacted. The best art seems to blend with the observer. Irrevocably marking a change within. Before the art, they were one way. After the art, they were another. They can remember their past lives, but will never again be able to return to it. The art has fundamentally changed them. A lofty goal to aspire towards, but even still, the act of changing one another occurs all the time. Every conversation and interaction changes us. Every word read, movie watched, and painting viewed adds a small amount of data to our ever-expanding library of experience. Subsequently, rewriting or commenting on all that came before it. Most of these interactions are so subtle that they're ignored, but every so often we are moved so thoroughly that the very foundations of that library shift. The impact of that fundamental shift is so complete that it results in us labelling the artistic catalyst as pure. How could that art not be divine? Look at how it has moved me so. Perhaps an artist's true job is to get out of their own way. To let divinity flow through them. To remove as many internal obstacles as possible on their journey towards filling up the blank page.
we can approach this by way of analogy. It is still possible to go into nature and find untarnished areas of pristine beauty, wonder and glory. This despite humanity's ever-growing presence. But the reality is that our view of this natural artwork is merely limited in scope. If we travel far enough, or sufficiently zoom out or in, the evidence of humanity is unavoidable. Thus, the only way to observe pure nature is through our imaginations, or to accept humanity as an integral part of nature, warts and all. Just as it's impossible to take humanity out of nature, it is similarly impossible to take the artist out of the art. They may be a conduit for something greater, or merely a product of their time. Regardless, the art that they produce will change those who view it. Even if that change is minute, it is still change. It is still impactful and worth doing. Perhaps more importantly though, the act of creation itself causes change within the artist. They are forever chasing an ever-shifting goal of competency and recognition. As their technical skills improve over time, so do their expectations of their art. The cliché of the artist never quite being happy with their own work exists for a reason. They can always see their own hand in their art. They can always recognise the signs of impurity. It doesn't matter if one or a million people are moved. They know how the bread was baked. They know the struggles they faced and the compromises taken. Ultimately, they know that they accepted imperfection. At some point, the artist must say enough is enough. At some point, the artwork must be complete. If not, that artist is forever doomed to be working on the one piece for eternity, or else have galleries full of works in progress. This situation isn't sustainable. Not only is the creativity of the artist held back by never having closure, but the practical limitations of time and resources will eventually catch up to them. So inevitably, the artist puts the pen down, laments their failure, and moves on to the next project, knowing that it too can never be perfect. Knowing that it too can never be pure. But move on they must, for their art moves us. And by creating it, it moves them. I chose to start this book with the poem Self-Indulgence and the above talk because I feel that they best represent my view of the creative process. Dissecting how and why I write leads to some interesting and at times not so flattering answers. I would like to say that it's all an act of pure expression, but that's simply not the case. When I look at my motives, I see that the drive for purity is clouded by ego, desire, fear, and longing. I also see hope. The genesis of this book came from my use of writing as therapy. I initially wanted to create an instructional manual that would teach readers how to empty their minds onto the page, releasing negativity 
and uncovering their unique truth. I intended to share some of my work to be used as an example of self-expression, explaining how and why I wrote what I wrote. But very quickly, I realized that I would also have to explain every aspect of myself that led to its creation, both the stuff I'm explicitly aware of, as well as the underlying influences. This is an impossible task. I don't have enough pages or introspective insights, and no reader has enough time or interest. Besides, the reader would ultimately have to take the plunge and put pen to paper themselves. The very act of writing would teach them how to use writing as therapy far better than I ever could. The initial discussion of artistic purity is my attempt to justify to myself and you that regardless of what you create, regardless of your intent, regardless of the results, you should still create. Your intentions and creations may not be pure, but so what? I am the creator and the conduit of the art that follows. Perhaps it will noticeably move you. Perhaps not. Regardless, I am laying myself bare in the hope that it will inspire you to pick up a pen for yourself. Writing these poems healed me, and for that reason alone, they are worth sharing. So what you just heard was the introduction to my book, Bound to the Wings of a Butterfly. It's a collection of poetry that to be honest, is going quite a lot better than I expected it to be. I've received a bunch of amazing reviews, and every poem that I release gets quite a lot of feedback. People are writing in, people are sharing, people are discussing, and people are saying that through my poetry, they are healing. And one of the things I want to do with this platform, with this voice, is to encourage you all to write as well. My hope is that with my example, I can help you to start expressing. Because that's why I share. I share because it helps me, and I share because it helps you. And together, we can create, we can grow, we can express. I consider writing therapy to be one of the pillars of my mental health, in addition to exercise, meditation, and psychotherapy, with the added support of medication if needed. But one of the things I see as a barrier is people will see my poetry, they'll relate to it, they'll say that I'm expressing things that they've only ever thought, or that I'm putting words to feelings that they hadn't been able to comprehend before. And I'm like, hey, you should write too, you should express, you should practice, you should do this as well. But they don't know where to start. They feel overwhelmed. They feel intimidated. They feel like they're not a writer. They're not an artist. They're not a poet. They don't know what to do. So what I hope to do with Bound to the Wings of a Butterfly is both share my work, but also inspire you to create yourself. So I started the book with this discussion of can art ever be pure? Because there is this feeling that, quote-unquote, good art is sort of transient, is 
eternal, is biblical, is spiritual, is sort of beyond the creator, beyond the artist. But it doesn't have to be. And beyond that, you don't have to share if you don't want to. Because the benefits come by creation. And as of recording, I'm in the process of writing and finishing up my next poetry book. I'm going to call it A Requiem for What Could Have Been, Poetry for the Broken. And what I'm doing at the moment is writing the introduction and the conclusion to that book. And I realized that this job of encouraging people to write isn't done. I'm going to share in that book the tips and tricks I use to write evocative, emotive poetry. Sort of like a how-to guide. Because I want to give people the tips and tools and tricks that I use to tweak my poetry. But before that step, before you should try and make your work better or more palatable, you need to just write and write for yourself. Prime the pump. Get the words out. So at the end of Bound to the Wings of a Butterfly, I put down the principles of writing therapy. This isn't the principles of writing good poetry. This isn't how to write fiction. It's a guide of how to use a pen and a paper or your laptop or the notes section on your phone to heal. And that's what I'm going to play for you at the end of this podcast. Because what I found was that, you know, the page listens. It doesn't judge. It It's always available. It's free. It doesn't have any preconceived notions. It's just there. And you can use it. You can discard it if you want, or you can save it and review it later. It's the perfect listener. But what I've realized since writing Bound to the Wings of a Butterfly was that that's not enough. People have this sort of inner voice telling them that they can't create, or they want to make art. They want to create. They want to make their words fancy, which is why I'm following up the next poetry book, A Requiem for What Could Have Been, with a more practical guide. You know, tips like how to use words and rhymes and alliteration. The idea of showing and not telling. The idea of using appropriate word choice and not just subbing in fancy words for the sake of it. This idea that less is best and other little tips and tricks and tools like that. But before you get to that stage, or in addition to getting to that stage, you should just write for yourself. So what I'm going to leave you with is the conclusion to Bound to the Wings of a Butterfly. It starts with the discussion of my writing process and ends with a summary of the principles of writing therapy. I think you'll get a lot from this one. Enjoy. I don't sit down with the intention to write a poem. They just come with such force that I am compelled to stop whatever I'm doing and write. I fall almost into a trance that can last from minutes to hours, only ending when the poem is complete, or near enough for my normal mind to tweak the edges and polish some of the formatting, word choice, and grammar. Following each session is the feeling of an emotional wound having been cleaned out. I feel tired worn down and raw. But I also feel closer to my true self. I feel cleansed, exercised of an inner demon that I didn't realize had possessed me. 
Once written, I either share the poem or put it aside. I typically forget all about it until, of course, I start to collate the next book. It is then that those wounds reopen, and I realise that writing that poem didn't remove the inner demon entirely. I learn how far I have come, as well as how much further I must go. I chose to call this book Bound to the Wings of a Butterfly, as a play on the old chaos theory adage that suggests that small events can have large-scale and unpredictable impacts upon the future. On a universal scale, these events are so personal as to be seemingly irrelevant. Yet in my small world, they left a lasting mark that continues to reverberate into the future. They are the direct or indirect cause of the poems within this book. They are also responsible for me choosing to share it publicly. I write to heal. I share my work to help others recover, connect, grow, and create for themselves. I share to reduce the stigma around mental illness. I share to normalize the exploration of the complex mazes that are our inner worlds. Thus, there is a direct causal link between the events of my past and you reading these words right now. If you have been moved, compelled, encouraged, changed, or impacted in any way by my work, however subtly, that impact will reverberate outwardly and forever into the future. Is this just me attempting to add some meaning to the pain of my past, desperately scrambling to find a silver lining that can somewhat justify my inner anguish? Does it even matter? A butterfly flapped its wings, and these poems came. Writing them changed me. Creating this book changed me. And perhaps reading it changed you as well. I can only hope that it is for the better. The Principles of Writing Therapy 1. The page is the ultimate listener. It doesn't judge. It has a perfect memory, yet can be discarded easily. It is practically free and always available. It has no preconceived notions. It will not interrupt you. 2. Just write. Don't think about the final product, the editing, spelling, or anything. Don't worry about anyone reading it, including yourself. Just put pen to paper until you feel better. 3. Get creative. Manipulating the original piece can be cathartic. Be open to rhyme, structure, alliteration, theme, and flow. Often, these will appear as you write, and can guide the creation into a more structured piece. 4. Optional Review Realise that the person who wrote the words, and the one reading them, are different. With fresh eyes, you can see your prior mental state from a detached perspective. There is a tremendous opportunity for learning here. 5. Optional Sharing 
sharing your inner world is an act of vulnerability. By opening yourself to judgment and critique, you are also opening yourself to connection. You may not be as alone as you think you are. In my experience, writing hurts. But not writing hurts more. If you have the desire and the courage to put pen to paper, do so. And if you choose to share your words, I will gladly read them. Perhaps the flapping of the butterfly's wings will come full circle, and your words will help to heal me. So that was from the book Bound to the Wings of a Butterfly. It's out now as a paperback, ebook, hardcover, and I narrate the audiobook. If you want to check out the poetry I'm doing, if you want to support what I'm doing here, grab a copy and leave a review. It makes a massive difference. Thank you so much. And have a great day.